Hi, welcome back to the Monday Morning After. Uh, my name is Celia, and I've been your host for the past hour and a half. Um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, and now I'm going to hand it over to our contributors from Bloodworks, uh, the show about HIV and AIDS. Hi, guys. Morning. Hello. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's our first show back now, mm-hmm. so... All uh, right, so I guess we can just go ahead and jump right into it, John. I think- jump in. Jump in. Can everybody hear me? Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, so I'm John McClellan. This is our third show, Bloodworks. We're happy to be here once again to inform you guys about HIV AIDS and everything related. So today, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to start out by talking about some recent HIV AIDS articles that I have been researching. So the first article that I would like to bring up is uh, actually about retroviruses. And it's, and it's talking about the origins of retroviruses. Of course, HIV is a retroviral uh, disease. It affects the immune system. And it's the, in this article, it says that retroviral, uh, retroviruses have been around for actually hundreds of millions of years. So these kinds of diseases are prominent in the history of all animals and animal life. And uh, I thought that was just an interesting, uh, interesting note that, that kind of puts HIV into perspective as not just this, this like out-of-nowhere disease that affects humans and and this is this is this kind of disease has been around since before humans and and it should put HIV into perspective and maybe take away some of the the scary I don't know uh, stigma maybe stigma of of how unpredictable or how unknown it was because now we know so much about this type of disease you know so any other thoughts on that no it's true I think um Maybe I know for myself, just having a bit more history on how long certain diseases or symptoms that we've had have existed kind of puts it in perspective as in, okay, this is something that we can be and this is something that didn't just pop up overnight, right? And of course, with the research, you can see what kind of research was done that's, you know, 200 years and then you start to link it. Because I think when HIV was first um, found out, they thought it was cancer, right? Something like Mm -hmm. that. They thought it was a type of cancer. So it kind of also shed lights on like misdiagnosis that sometimes people will get just because they're not cross-referencing information and on that note about um, the studies of HIV AIDS yeah. leading it to cancer, I believe I was reading an interview um, from, uh, I think it was Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, and one of the comments that he made, he said every single disease that we have, there's research that's being done all over the world about it, but no one's actually connecting what X person has done with the other person and putting it all together. And one of the things that he thinks will be helpful especially for cancer, we could definitely apply it to HIV, is putting all that research together and having researchers, doctors, patients, everyone reading from the same document in order to maybe find out a couple of things that one country knows and the other doesn't. So, yeah. And I think it's especially important that we think about how little time that we've had to research HIV um, and how much we've been able to do in that time, because this has only been around, what, maybe 30 years now? Um, that's a relatively small window for us to have done Um, as much as we have. And obviously there were, you know, pitfalls in the process early on and um, 
things, you know, especially in here in North America, there were a lot of issues in making this a mainstream issue. But once it's become more mainstream, once it's become more more focused, um, I, I, the research seems to be more prioritized now than it ever has. So uh, I think that's it's, it's really important. Uh, I, I think it's really great, actually, that there's more and more research out there being done. And hopefully we'll get more of that interconnectivity as we keep going. That's right. And speaking of 30, I'm 30 years old. I just turned 30. Turned 30. So happy happy Congratulations. <laughs> How come you didn't invite me to the party? Yeah, man, I have some cake in the back, so I'll uh, bring some out for you guys. <laughs> All right, so you guys want to move on? Sure. Can I talk about another article? This, this uh, article that I found, uh, it's on The Independent, which is a, a UK news outlet. And... Basically, the headline is, HIV infections in Russia reach record high and account for almost two-thirds of new cases in Europe. So, Russia, what's going on there? What's going on? <laughs> is it, do you think it's something to do with their, their uh, no health care? I, I mean, honestly, I, I really don't know enough about Russia to comment on that, but uh, it is really interesting how... how concentrated it is and i wonder if that's a testament to um you know i don't know if it means there's an issue in russia i don't know if it means the rest of europe is doing very very well i, I can't yeah. I really don't Russia's have... always kind of like a mystery to us like what's going on there i know in the past I, i've seen some like documentaries and stuff uh where it's been kind of uh re they've been the documentary in mind was about a what are they injection drug use there and and how that that injection drug use was kind of raging rampant in certain cities there and i wonder if if this is like a similar situation where you have certain cities that are more isolated or or disconnected from other parts of russia that are are, are kind of having these huge like really really vast outbreaks of hiv and other places where it's not so intense or if this is a epidemic that is kind of um uh, attacking the whole country the country as a whole rather um but but we got a feel for them the russians yeah. man i think it's a little bit you know i don't know enough about russia to really comment on that directly but when you look at it in a canadian context for instance how different provinces alone have different issues and HIV related, how, how one province, um, the most common form, you know, easiest way, or I guess the most common f form of new HIV cases comes through um, men who have sex with men. In other provinces, it's injection drug use. Yeah. So it, it, the fact that it can vary so much, even in just the Canadian context alone, at 35 million people across the country, and that, you know, every city and every, every region has a different... Uh, different challenge to face so i'd be really interested to learn more about how diverse the issue in russia is yeah we should uh, i should do some more research mm -hmm. on that in the future and i do have another interesting um article actually also out of the independent now that you mentioned amazing it. so this is something um it was it, it, it's headlined is as a gay man with hiv i've been stockpiling my medication after hearing in trump's obamacare plans uh, plans in quotation so um it's a really really um interesting piece uh written by a man named dave postal um who is an american and who in light of trump's presidency is really concerned about the state of his, his um 
of his health care. Yeah. So I, I can tell you as a Canadian American that easily uh, my last trip to the ER cost over two thousand dollars alone, oh and that was that was one night in in the U.S. or in the here? U.S. in oh, the U.S. God. So it's really um, American health care costs are already there's a lot of issues surrounding that, and Obamacare had done a lot to help a lot of people, um, including the fact that. You know, as a twenty, you know, someone who's under twenty-six years old, I was able to stay on my parents' plan mm-hmm. until that point. Um, so, I, you know, it's really interesting to see, or I, I, you know, I guess a lot of people are really concerned about what's going to happen, especially people with something like HIV, um, how that'll affect things like pre-existing conditions under their plans if Obamacare is repealed and not replaced. Um, or even just the cost of medicine or, or the cost of, of the insurance itself. You know, it's hard to insurance companies don't necessarily want to take on patients or take on people who have um, something like HIV. And, uh, you know, I can definitely feel a lot of fear and concern from a lot of people in the States about where, you know, what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yeah. You, You were in the States recently, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I, uh, I was visiting my parents in Florida for, for the holidays. So there's yeah there's definitely a lot of concern there. That's some Trump country though, right? Yeah, my district voted Trump, but even then, a lot of the people that voted Trump are are still concerned and yeah. are afraid about what's going to happen. Yeah, I was going to say um, for sure the the cost of getting medication, um, but there's also the cost of actually being able to not work and go to the hospital, and all the the hidden costs around. The fact that you are not able to be um, as you know productive um, in you know while you're being diagnosed or while you're taking care of yourself, this kind of leads to a, a documentary that we saw in class. I think it was called Wilhelmina's Story, which I watched again, which was very interesting. It was in the South in the U.S. and now thinking about you know the new election, how's this going to affect people like that? So. Um, the, it was a mother that was taking care of her kid who had a her adult daughter who had HIV AIDS and one of them and then her granddaughter also and the biggest um, theme that I got from it was there's a cost to the health but also the cost of gas that you don't even think about for you to get to and from um, the doctor's office the cost of the food that you also need to buy while you're on that medication proper sanitation and also um, water so Sometimes we don't really think about all those things that you also need to pay for for you to be healthy and for you to continue taking your medication. And that cost, sometimes you can't afford it. I know being a student, sometimes uh, you can pay your tuition, but you also have to pay for books, supplies, food to get to class, to and from. Those are all hidden costs that, the sadly, the patient, the person that's going to be working under um, or living under Trump is going to also have to take into account. Mm-hmm. So if you can't pay the medication, what else is going to suffer? And uh, just for some context, the medication, he has to take this, his medicine daily, and it costs him over $3,000 a month already. Wow. So he's... <laughs> so he, hopefully he has insurance. Well, I mean, we'll see... Most what, of these people don't. That's the thing. That's the issue. You know, and that's why if, if the Affordable Care Act is repealed without a replacement, or even with, depending on what the replacement is, a lot of people are just really yeah. un, unsure. Um, and, you know, he even said at this point he's stockpiling his medicine at the risk of hampering its effectiveness. He's not taking his pill every day like he's supposed to. Instead, he's trying to space them out in order to hoard them for long term. So mm-hmm. already, even if nothing was to come out of this, this is already having an effect on, on yeah. people um, 
in this community, and I, I can't imagine that he would be the only one. No, he can't be. I mean, I think the documentary focused on people in the South, and housing was an issue, um, you know, so food is an issue. So if you can't afford food that costs, you know, a certain amount, there's no way you can afford $3,000 a month. I can't afford $3,000 Yeah, exactly, a month. same. I no. think I have to pay my tuition. I can't afford it. So, yeah, and imagine something that's related to your health. So. Yeah. Shit. Sorry. No swearing. My bad. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> all right. All right. So, can I move on to another article? Go ahead. Uh, this is kind of cool. There's not This article doesn't really go into too much depth on it, but uh, it's in the, the kind of HIV technology uh, genre or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the headline of the article is HIV prevention implant gets $140 million in funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So yeah, what is this? The Gates. What is this? They do a lot. I, I've been seeing their names. $140 million? Well, I've been seeing their names a lot when it comes to charity work. So tell yeah. me more. I don't know much besides that. Well, I, I'm, I'm reading through the article. Well, I read through the article, and I was really trying to kind of understand what this is. It says implant. That's in the, the title. And apparently what it is is it's kind of like a preventional, preventional, um, preventional whatever method, method uh, mm-hmm. implant. And uh, it's obviously still in the very research um, trial, not not to the trial stage yet or anything like that. But it's going to kind of replace, if this implant is something that goes inside your body mm-hmm. and stays there, it's going to replace some of the, 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 the pre, what is it, pre-exposure prophylaxis, the PrEP mm-hmm. medications yeah, think, that people actually, take. Yeah, I think our coworker, I mean, Alejo was going to tell us about that oh, too. You're about gonna, Alejo, oh my gosh, Alejo, I stole your thunder. I stole no, your thunder. No, it's okay, you go ahead. You, you started, we'll continue. Okay, so yeah, Alejo, I would love to, to hear if you have a little bit more info on that because uh, because that's that's pretty much all I have. It's, it's a huge donation by the the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a relatively, um, relatively new endeavor. I'll pass it on to you, buddy. Sure. Sorry about that, Alejo, putting you on the spot like that, but... that's <laughs> no, no, okay. Um, so, I just got here, but yeah. we were talking about PrEP, right? Talking about uh, some, this... This implant, it's an HIV prevention implant. Did you hear anything about that, or are we mistaken? Um, Yeah, so what I know from this article I found uh, on the AIDS map website, um, it's a website that updates everyone on the latest news on HIV. Um, Last month there was an announcement by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, They're going to... they're going to donate $140 million to a Boston drug device manufacturer to develop this implant, uh, which uh, is like a mini pump that delivers drugs uh, for pre-exposure prophylaxis uh, or PrEP against HIV infection. Um, the company is named Intarsha, uh, and it's developed, it developed this implant um, to deliver uh, medicine for people who have diabetes uh, in the past. Um, and last month, it, uh, the company announced that it had secured uh, this grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to develop this technology for PrEP. Um, 
several other research groups and companies have reported uh, on animal tests of uh, subdermal implants. Uh, although this company um, has received uh, an NIH, that's the National Institute of Health, awesome um, funding as well. So, looking cool. forward. Thank to you that. for clearing that up for me because. I think uh, I think you gave a, a much more in-depth explanation of that. All right. Um, so I wanted to to bring up another topic here today. I want to talk about I guess you you know celebrities and and how they contribute to uh, I guess the stigma around HIV or, or or what kind of role that they can play on. And I'd love to hear. Anyways. Yeah, I'd love to hear what everyone here feels about this. Um, in, in particular. Uh, there was something, uh, Courtney Act, who is a uh, well-known drag queen, um, who, uh, who out of drag goes by Shane Jenkin, uh, or, or Jenek, actually. And uh, basically what happened is this week he uh, um, posted a video online uh, saying that he had had unprotected sex with someone who told him afterwards that he was positive, and... Um, he posted his results of his HIV and STI or STD testing um, online as he got them, so kind of live, um, and, you know, in order to kind of help talk about how it's something that we can all talk about and be open about. Um, and I was just wondering, I know sometimes different celebrities have a different impact in how they're perceived. Uh, like I, I know, for instance, Charlie Sheen's relationship and HIV it, fits into certain stereotypes, for instance, but I was wondering what you all think about the role that celebrities or um, people in prominence play in, in the stigma of HIV um, and whether or not things like this are, are more of a stunt or whether they actually help to, to fight back against stigma. Um, do one of, one of you guys want to handle it or should I start? Well, I think that, I think that uh, uh, when a celebrity comes out as... HIV positive or a celeb celebrity such as this one comes out kind of endorsing the endorsing getting tested I think it's a it's it's good for for it's good for like other people to feel comfortable getting tested themselves or other people who have HIV um, so, uh, who who can see someone who they've been putting on this pedestal for so long. Maybe they have. Maybe they haven't. You know, and to see that this person, just like them, is just as um, just as susceptible to getting HIV as they are. So it once again a lot of a lot of what we talked about is is just getting some peace of mind, just getting some perspective and. Um, reducing the stigma around HIV and I think when a celebrity comes out however you feel about celebrities if they're bad or good for society we all have different you know views on that but someone who's in the spotlight like that they're just raising awareness for for getting tested or or for kind of allowing us to understand that having HIV is not the end of the world you know so Anybody else want to comment? Yeah, I, I like that you said about the awareness. For sure, there's more um, talk of, of it. Um, I know uh, you were just mentioning earlier, Greg, about Charlie Sheen, and I watched his recent interview on The View, 
And he, you know, he came in and spoke about a bunch of other things, a sitcom, but one of those things was, how do you feel about, you know, now that you're, you know, you're HIV positive and you um, disclose that information. But I think before that, we need to understand that it is still someone's private information, regardless if they choose to tell the public or not. Um, You should mostly, for sure, always tell the people that you're involved with sexually, but... Um, I don't think it's something that everyone must know about you because everyone has the right to divulge or not. So I think it's that part. And again, the awareness, I think it's uh, it's important when the celebrities are able to talk about it. But I wish they would talk about it more before it affects them directly. It would be a good idea if Charlie Sheen or any other actors would just speak about it or start foundations. I think Beyonce... Um, when she does a lot of tours, which I thought was very interesting, when she does a lot of tours, let's say in sub-Saharan Africa, or sometimes in Europe, she'll be more vocal about speaking about things like HIV AIDS, rape, like within the concerts compared to in North America where before concerts there's barely any um, information, diagnosis about getting tested or anything like that. So that's something which I kind of uh, I think it might be um, a bit selfish for them to only speak about it when it affects them. So I'm thinking about Magic Johnson also um, when he became the face of HIV only after he got diagnosed. And since him, I haven't really seen of any other prominent stars who just spoke about it just because it's something that's huge that's happening. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my view on that. Um, from what I know about um, celebrity, I don't really know. I don't really follow, but um, I do know that um, my somebody I, I i know who's a performer and kind of a small time celebrity um goes by amarasu um on instagram she posted um at the beginning of the new year um that she went to get pep with someone uh in 2016 um because you know she felt she, she had a scare so uh she went to get pep and she just posted that on instagram um along with like a photo and it was kind of like a way of just seeing like on your feed you know uh, somebody who's like relatively on in the spotlight a lot of the time and she uh she, she seeing that you know kind of reassured me in a way like you know this is something that we can definitely talk about and uh, yeah. Just just to clear that up, PEP is post exposure prophylaxis. That's that's a, a a drug that you would take after having some sort of like uh, encounter with with uh, someone who has it's, possibly has HIV. Yeah, it's kind of like um, like the morning after pill version yeah. of PrEP. Um, it's it's instead of like you know the pill, it's like PrEP is would be the equivalent it's like yeah. pep is like a one-time dose of or like a several you know over a period of time yeah okay. um so similar to the morning after pill can you go to let's say uh you know jean couture or something get it from the pharmacist or do you actually have to go to the er uh, you need you do need a prescription for okay. pep okay. um uh, I don't know if you can even get a morning after pill at uh, Jean Coutu. Mm, I, or the shoppers. I, I think you do whichever. need a prescription. Somebody know? I think. Um, well, I think from <laughs> my experience, um, I think. Yes, you can. Yeah, you can you just get You don't need it. a prescription. You don't need a prescription from my experience. So um, in Ontario, where I was mostly, I've, you know, they've, they've gotten it there, which cool. makes it more easily it's more expensive, accessible. Though. It's yeah. cheaper if you buy it on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> so you get some deals on Amazon. Next steps for you though, right? It's it's trying not. Anyways, next steps for Pep is to make you know be able to get it without a prescription. I think that would would be. 
Yeah, exactly. Great if you could bulk buy it on Amazon, but <laughs> then you might as well go on prep. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I actually think that's a pretty good way to end today's show. It looks like we're wrapping up right on nine o'clock. So uh, I like to thank everybody for listening this morning uh, on your morning commute or on your way to class or wherever you're off to today. So um, we're going to be back on February sixth is our next show. So in three weeks' time, it's the first Monday in February. So um, in the meantime, uh, this was Bloodworks, and thanks again for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks a lot. Uh, tune in next week for more of the Monday morning after.